Welcome to our next installment of the Rebels of the Heart virtual conference series. It's been an ongoing segment where we've featured great leaders across all different areas of business, different companies, really showing the next generation of leadership and what leadership with a heart looks like in terms of rebels breaking the rules, creating new rules, and, and establishing what a healthy business and personal relationship can look like. I'm Derek Bunston, CEO of Life Guides, uh, and we're building a platform for preparing people to do extraordinary good by using technology to match people who have been through a life challenge of some sort with those who are going through the same or a very similar experience now provide peer-to-peer mentorship support and guidance to help people be happier, healthier, and more productive in both their work life and home life and where those come together. Awesome. Mary Grace Gardner, welcome to Rebels of the Heart. It's awesome to have you on here. Thanks for your time joining us. So excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I'll start off with a really easy question. I like to prime people with this one. What does Rebel with the Heart mean to you and how are you applying that in your life? Gosh, rebel with the heart can have so many different meanings and rebellion can happen in so many different ways. And for me, I think if I were to boil it down, it would be showing up as your authentic self in however way in which that means for you and doing so in a way that is brave, that is bold and can be scary, but you still move forward to make the positive changes that you want to in the world. I love that. It's a great answer. And so I know that you're doing so many different things in your life, from the personal to the professional. How is this kind of in this moment in time really resonating for you as you think about your own your own life and your own business? So, I, I, so in terms of what's going on in my life, so for those who aren't as familiar with me, I'm a corporate transformation leader, and I also run two businesses on the side. And also am in the process of raising two, almost three babies. <laughs> I am pregnant with my third baby boy. Yes. And I think at the time of this conversation, especially right now, as we're emerging from the pandemic, there's so much, there's so much question out there regarding how do we transition from the horrific experiences that might have happened over the past two yeah. years and do so in a way that is true and authentic to ourselves, where we are still reaching what we want to in life, but also recognizing what we've learned over the past two years, where being able to honor ourselves as people, we were forced to prioritize ourselves, right? Over the past two years, our own safety, our family's safety. And there's not a magic switch, right? Now that we're saying we're emerging from the pandemic, everything's back to normal. There is no normal that we're returning to. And I think looking at all the different, those different aspects and defining for each one of us, trying to figure out what do I want in this period of life and how do I live in alignment with that? I think for me, that's something that I've been looking at and thinking about. I've encouraged teams I'm working with to think about. And I think it's, it's something that all of us are going to have to tackle as we, as we go on throughout this year. Yeah, I've heard now people referring to it as the new abnormal, right? So mm-hmm. your ability or one's ability to create a sense of safety, continuity, routine, and you know, build that is exactly it. So it's fascinating because you have both the lens of of the big corporate response of what's happening as well as what you're doing with your own businesses. How are you seeing the contrast in those different career paths through the last couple of years and now as we're emerging into this new time? Gosh, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of differences and a lot of parallels, right? So I'll yeah. start off with some of the differences where when you are working for a bigger companies, right? It's it's a little bit harder to be able to shift the ways of of being and doing and 
whatever the ingrained culture might be. And personally, I've always chosen companies where I work, the leader is typically in a posture of learning, open, embodies growth mindset. Because for me, it's really important to work for leadership that is focused and understands that they may not always know the answers, but they listen yeah. to their people. I think so. For me, the the lens I have been able to see in the in the big spaces like that, because of where I've chosen to work, is that leadership is genuinely listening, right? So I've been I've been I've had the honor to be able to sit at some of those tables and see firsthand that there's leaders leaders are trying to figure out how do we create environments that are mindful of what employees are going through right now. And I'm, I'm, I recognize I'm lucky because not all companies are that way. Yeah. And also, and also understanding that there is no roadmap right now because, you know, there's no, there's no HR handbook of how do you emerge from a pandemic? How do you, how do you shift from a, a worldwide shutdown and go back into figuring out what the future should look like? And so from that state, I've been able to see that there's been a lot of experimentation, a lot of openness, and a lot of um, trying to get feedback from teams and employees on what they might need to be successful. Now, the tricky part, though, is that employees sometimes don't know what they need to be able to feel supported and to feel whole uh, from a personal, professional perspective. In contrast to running the businesses, so, so I run two uh, one is focused on college admissions, career consulting, and the other one is more corporate facing and uh, works with teams and individuals for personal transformation. And what I see in kind of the smaller settings is that we, we can be a little more agile, right? Yeah. We can be immediately responsive to what we're hearing from our clients. We can we can adjust our products and services a lot faster just because there's just less process behind it. Yeah. Um, but the other, the, the downfall though is scale, right? Because with the bigger teams in the corporate setting, they've got many more resources that can spread and their touch and impact can be much wider. So in both spaces, I'm seeing the tons of learning and tons of opportunity to kind of redefine how we engage with our employees, with our customers, our clients, and our colleagues. Yeah, I love that. So from that standpoint, kind of in, in that rebel with a hard charge, how are you blending those two kind of worlds together right now? I mean, I think you have a really unique perspective that you're literally serving that market in one end and you have I have the have the internal point of view on the other. How are you blending that together kind of on a high level? And even more specifically, how are you seeing it kind of play out for working parents? And she brought that concept up. We both had that experience. How are you seeing that topic in particular driving the conversations potentially, right? And the need for development. Yeah, that's a great question because uh, over the past two years too, there's been quite a bit of rebellion, right? Of what wasn't working for the world, what wasn't working for different communities. And for me personally, I think that the heart part that you mentioned is even more important because in the past, in the recent past, so much has been really focused on productivity and systems and yeah. And very much not heart centric in the in performance. And I think what we've also learned, it's become even more apparent, is if you're not being respectful of the individual, the real person that's doing that work, if you're not doing the work to help them feel centered in their purpose and having joy in the work that they do, you're going to burn out your people, right? Yeah. And people, I, I think there was a notion, there has been this notion that people are exchangeable. You can. If, as long as you have good processes, you could just get another person right away. And I think that where we are is that we're recognizing that 
everyone, no matter how someone was wired, was impacted in some way over over the past couple of years. And everyone has had this reckoning of what's most important to them. So as we're we're moving forward, and for me, in terms of rebellion, there are a couple of things that I am really focused on. One is this notion of work-life integration, right? Uh, And we all lived through it, right? For those of us who have kids, and even if if you don't, whatever may have been happening in your life where uh, you couldn't necessarily just plug in nine to five on Zoom or wherever you were, there might be other distractions around you. I had my child attending TK to my right. He was in Spanish immersion preschool while I was leading leading meetings, right? And so recognizing that we are whole people, right? You don't necessarily have to turn off and on your life outside of work, that there is an ability for those things to merge together. Um, The other thing is speaking up when I'm thinking that something is not right, right? So if there's things at work where I think can be, can be more inclusive, that can be more respectful of how to make sure that we're hearing from different voices, recognizing that and saying that, right? Because I think we've just learned so much over the past couple of years. And for me personally, reflecting on how do I want to show up every day? It's important to me and speaking to that. I love that. And how is that translating now into the content and the coursework and the different initiatives you're creating on the the other business side, on the personal branding, personal development side and working Yeah. So uh, the other company, Human Center Reliability, uh, and that's why I think in terms of your company and the heart rebels that you have, I think there's so such an alignment there. Um, But what we're really focusing on is having positive change really center on the human, right? Recognizing, especially with my co-founders, let me me share a little bit about them. So so I have two co-founders, Joe and Brian. Joe, by training, is an engineer ex-hospital CEO, Brian, by training, is a computer science person who is currently the health equity and inclusion leader at Google. And then you have me, who my training is in pure mathematics, uh, and my graduate degree is in public health and maternal child international health, right? So our degrees and our educational training is much more on this technical side. And what we have found is that, yes, that part's important. You need to get your technical things underway. You got to know the business. And the thing that can destroy a company or can destroy a team is if you don't recognize the more heart-centered side as well. The humans that actually are running the company who are doing the work, who need to be honored and respected in the work that they do. And so as we are moving forward with our company and speaking with different uh, clients, what we're really focused on is how do we help ambitious change makers with creating personal and professional goals, being able to reach that, but do so in a way that has more ease, has more joy. And how do you do that through systems and habits versus just forcing the results and then losing the gains shortly after because you didn't have something sustainable behind it. So we're really, as we're working with teams and we're working with individuals is is honoring that part of it, right? Because typically in the past, you would never recognize the human aspects. You wouldn't ask people about what do they think related to their wellness or their family or their relationships or the spirituality. Yeah. And recognizing that if you're asking people to bring their whole selves to work, you actually need to recognize that that is also part of each individual. Absolutely. I'm curious, when you talk about the habits, are those aspects that you, that you are literature recommending or prescribing to these leaders, or are they coming to you and you're creating these ideas to get in jointly with them? Is it 
Is it, or is it some combination of those things? It's a combination of both because what I think is unique to each individual, we have six dimensions yeah. that we do ask people to think through regarding what would be ideal for yourself and what would look, right. what would be the highest level of yourself in, in these six dimensions. So when we, we talk with folks, it's economic success, career success, uh, personal growth, family relationships, health and wellness, and spirituality. Mm-hmm. And so having folks define for themselves, what is that? ideal state for themselves. And that's different for everyone, right? Spirituality can be defined very differently. Family relationships, very different. So I think those types of elements, we can create some parameters for the thought, but it's each individual's individual's input as to what that looks like for themselves that may be different. And then we, we do have the science of thinking and habit formation that we introduce but the specific habits that people might want to have every day and the system that they have for themselves to hold themselves accountable, that's unique. And so that's where, so our, our program is called Pathway to Personal Mastery. Each person's pathway is different. Yeah. It's, it has to be custom. It has to work for you because I think that's another thing we've learned is that this one size fits all of follow this yeah. recipe and therefore you'll get success. We're all so different that we need to be able to recognize and be agile to those differences. And when you, I'm curious again, when you see those differences, is it primarily driven by by their values? Is it career? Is it education? Do you find, have you seen commonalities around where those, where that distinction kind of emerges? I think it can be all of that. Our backgrounds, our upbringings, our priorities, right? Uh, For instance, like I mentioned, those six dimensions, someone might be prioritizing family as the highest highest thing that they want to really focus on today versus someone who might say spirituality is the highest, right? There's not a good or bad or wrong. It really just depends on what people want. I think it comes down to that definition of what do you want, which is a very simple question, but a very hard thing to answer for any of us, right? So I even invite listeners to pause and think, what what do you want? What do you want right now in life? And I think that helps to drive then what kind of system you create in order to get that. Are you then expanding that out from the individual into the teams? Are they doing this together as part of a a business unit or part of a team or a company collectively? Are you seeing that? uh, So we have interest in both. So we do have, we have one where it's an individual, individual product where it's the person going through that journey. And then we do have the more corporate facing offering of hum- how do you create a human centered reliable a reliable system and team. Yeah. So then it's a team together thinking through what does that look like for them together as they work together. So we have both. Uh, and what we're finding though is that when people are going through this, they may have slightly def- different definitions of what they might want personally versus what they might want for their team. And that's okay, right? Recognizing that um, some of the goals that you might have specifically for yourself versus what your team might want to accomplish together, your prioritization might be different. That's human nature and that's fine. Uh, But yes, there's two different offerings. Cool. So I'm curious on a personal level, I know know you are a very dynamic person. Obviously, you have such a rich life in your family, in your corporate career, in your entrepreneurial career. As you think through how the last couple of years have been and where you see the world going and adding to your family. What's what's important to you right now? How does that, how does the HRI model apply to you in this moment? Thank you for asking that because I had to ask myself that once uh, the pandemic occurred, right? Is and coming back to that question of what do I want? What do I want at this in this moment of time? And I think for me, one of the biggest things is as I was thinking about what are some of the simple rules of my own life that I want to govern and how I want to show up every day. One of the things that really bubbled up to the top for me was 
presence, being able to feel fully present in whatever I was engaging in, right? We were in, we were living in a scary time. My kids who see the news are wondering what's happening. They know so much more science, technical science than I would ever have thought to introduce yeah. them in terms of viruses and spread. So it's, it's a scary time, right? For, for kids. And then also because of our blended world of online, of always being plugged in, now our boundaries are even more blurred. I, being able then to really focus on a couple of things for me, one was presence, feeling like wherever I was, whether it be something for work or my business or with my kids, that I would be fully present so that I can fully show up as right. myself and enjoy the moment with whoever it was I was with and provide as much value as possible during that time. But then also the second is boundaries, exercising better boundaries, because yeah. it's just so easy now to keep working, right? We're, we're, many of us are still working from home. You can keep working into the evening and just creating the better boundaries of, okay, this is when I'm on, this is when I'm off. Sometimes yeah. I have to say no to certain requests because it's just not in alignment with my current priorities uh, and creating those boundaries so that I'm able to spend the time where I want to. Yeah. So these are things that I personally struggle with too, being in an operational entrepreneurial role and being a parent. I'm curious, what tactical things have you done? What are you doing to be, to set those boundaries? What are you doing around time management to, to be present in those different dimensions? What's worked really well and where have you, talking about terms, stumbled? What advice would you give to other working parents that are and entrepreneurs and executives that are mm-hmm. kind of navigating this specific issue? I think that, and then for me, one of the questions I, I oftentimes get to is, well, then how can you do the businesses and have the day job? One, one parameter is you want to make sure for whatever it is your day job or career might be, you still want to make sure you're performing ex- exceptionally, right? That allows you some latitude to be flexible in other ways. But in terms of tactical, and especially with having kids, I think uh, there's two things that I'd share. One is being really deliberate, deliberate about how I use my calendar. Um, and I'm, and my kids are seeing it too, because now I'm seeing my son pull out a piece of paper and writing time slots and how right. he's dedicating his time. I've never asked him to, but I think he's seen me do it every day. And now he's doing it himself where, and he's six, he's writing like seven o'clock, go to school. <laughs> like he's writing it for himself, but being really deliberate about what are the time blocks during which I know um, I'm going to need this much time to ramp up, right? Being realistic about the timing of what it is I need to do. And then I'm just giving even a scenario this morning. My three-year-old said, mommy, you said you were going to play Kirby fight with me on the Nintendo Switch and it's daytime. Why are you not playing with me? And I said, look at my, let, let me show you, let me show you mommy's calendar for today. Let's look at this, I have this empty block here tonight. I'm going to play with you from 6 to 7 p.m. And he said, oh, we have an appointment. I said, yes. So we're going to play exactly at this time. I will be your second player on this video game. And this is the time we're going to play together, right? So being able to actually literally block time of, and it sounds strange, right? But block yeah. time with your kids or block yes. dinner with your spouse to actually protect it. I tend to be one who, if it's not on my calendar, it's not going to exist. And I, even though I have a great memory, I don't want my brain to have to mm-hmm. remember all that. So I have post-its and actually physical calendars, digital ones that will help me with time blocking. I think that's one. The second thing that I would share that's been super helpful is setting my intention every day about what's my priority, priority what I want to accomplish. And then at the end of the day, actually debriefing on it. So yeah. my husband and I used to do this at the beginning of the pandemic together. And we still do this too periodically where 
we say, what are we trying to get accomplished today? And then at the end of the day, we just do a quick five minute conversation of, oh, did you reach your goals for today? Yes, no. Okay, anything we need to do different tomorrow, right? Just quick real time feedback. Uh, so, like for the pandemic, where we were dividing labor of who's going to do what for work, who's doing what with their calendars, who's doing what with the kids. Um, first day we thought, okay, we've got this nailed down. And then at the end of the day, we said, nope, that totally fell apart. So how do we do things differently? Um, and just being on that same page of, okay, tomorrow we're going to try to do this one small change tomorrow and see if that works. Do you do that same kind of review for like return on your on a weekly basis of your time? Do you look at your calendar kind of in retrospect as well in terms of how you spend it relative to those, not just the list of, of priorities, but kind of the broader view on kind of that the model you described across those six categories? Yeah, I do. I do. I've, and this is something that I had done ever since I was a child. I didn't even know. Really? I didn't know when I was a kid that that this was actually like a, this was actually a, like a reflection exercise or any of that. I, I, and uh, my friends used to tease me because I used to always carry like a Franklin Covey calendar where I went, I, I didn't know. Really? Yeah. And so, and, but I, it doesn't have to be hard or complicated. But at the end of the week, I just do a quick look at, okay, this is what I meant to do with my time. Did that actually happen? And if not, not judgment, just looking at the data improvement and saying, okay, what might I want to do differently next week, right? What are some of the things that I know now, maybe something I thought was going to take just a few hours took a couple of days, right? So how might I want to adjust things the following week to be able to learn from that, right? So I treat myself as a life system for feedback. Uh, and I'm, I'm always open to, I, I usually even just in conversations with folks or meetings I'm in, I always try to reserve two minutes at the end, what worked well and what can we do next time to make things even better, just so that we can continue to improve. Because I think a lot of things sound great hypothetically when you think about it, but then when you actually live it, that's when you get all this information back. Yeah. Where do you think you got that, that, information from as a child like how, how did you pick that up at such a young age because I I didn't learn it until much later in life and it took a lot of intention and practice so I'm curious how you knew that at such, at such an early time in your life well, it's uh I think some of it some of it I think was must have been self some of it was self-generated because okay. um, in terms of reflections I didn't even know these words when I was little right but when I was yeah, yeah when I, I remember since I was a kid I would reflect every day on things that I liked and things that I didn't like for the day. Right. I do that with my kids now. Like when we put them down to bed, I ask them, I ask them two questions when I see them and said, what was the best part of your day? And what was something that didn't go as, as you planned or what was the worst? Right. So I actually literally ask them that every day when they get home, even my little one with my parents. And I, I, uh, when I see them at the end, I say, well, what's the best part? Uh, and they're, they're in the habit of it, right? So now when they see me, sometimes they just tell me without me asking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I used to reflect on that when I was little because that was something I didn't want to forget. And this is why I have so many memories from when I was little because I would reflect every day. Then I would reflect every week because I didn't want to forget those memories. Um, I, I think that was just part of it is, you know, I was just thinking about what did I enjoy for my day? How did I like spending time with my parents or my friends? Um, but I think also just observing my own parents, I think yeah. seeing how they were always present, fully present. They were also full-time employees. They worked, they worked, but they were also more um, fully present in anything that was going on in my life to be at all my games, be at all my activities, um, helping me whatever I needed. I I didn't realize when I look back now and as a working parent, I realized, my gosh, how did they do it all? Right. They, yeah. they were 
uh, it's amazing now when you look back. But I think seeing how they were very deliberate around their time and creating systems in their lives, I think part of it was observation of seeing them do that too. Very cool. I'm going to borrow that just so you know. I, oh, I'm, please do. And tell me how it goes. It's just the sweetest wonderful. thing. Yeah. It's the sweetest thing. And for the little ones too, my, my little one, I had to teach him that it's okay if things are not going well, right? Because he would say everything was everything was spectacular today. Nothing was bad. And encouraging him to say like, it's okay if there's something that didn't go great, right? It's okay if there was someone who, um, you know, maybe you interacted with them and it didn't go the way you wanted, or maybe, you know, sharing didn't go well. Like, it's okay to tell mommy those things. So kind of getting that muscle too, of like, not just celebrating the good, but recognizing, yeah. okay, if things don't go perfectly. That's awesome. Well, I'm, I'm always impressed by your optimism and also just your professionalism and preparation and just the way that you think about systems and things and, and your, your perspective on all of this. How can people, our listeners, learn more about your work, about your courses, about how they can get in touch with you to brainstorm ideas? I'd love to give you the opportunity as well, Mary Grace. Oh, thank you for that. Well, the best way to, way to get in touch is to check out my site, Pathway to Personal Mastery. Uh, we have some upcoming free classes for those who would like to attend. You get to meet my co-founders and me as well. And so if you'd like to be on the wait list for the next free class that we've got going on, just go to pathwaytopersonalmastery.com and you could just enter your name and email and you'll get alerted to our latest offerings. Awesome. That will be in the show notes too. And Mary Grace, as always, thank you for joining us here for this conversation. Thanks for being a role with a heart and just keep up the amazing work that you're doing with your family and with your businesses. And it's fun to be on this journey with you. Oh, thank you. Likewise. <laughs>